When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And we are kicking off the best season of the year, the best time of the year, even though if you've listened to some past pop culture episodes, I would argue, and I know Sasha would definitely argue, spooky season has been happening. Well, for me, it's all year round, but definitely since July 5th. No arguments. I will not take any questions on this. This is the truth. But For the podcast, we're going to start celebrating it now. So welcome to the best time of year. It's our horror month. It's a little bit different right now because of the strikes, which who knows? We're recording this on Sunday, September 24th, but who knows? They might both be close to over by now, and I don't know if that'll change our schedule. Probably not, but this horror month is going to be a little bit different, and we're kicking it off with horror novels. So we're going to talk about some of our favorites, what maybe we've learned about ourselves or if horror novels have helped us overcome any fears, something like that. And I think it'll be a ton of fun. I'm excited about this one. And I have the amazing Erin A and the amazing Paula with me today to discuss these. So what I want to know first from both of you, but I'll start with you, Erin A, is, and it could be a graphic novel too, because I know that you've read some of those, but what was the first horror novel or graphic novel that you remember reading? I had a hard time thinking about that because I get, I, I have a hard time figuring out what exactly a horror novel would be classified as, but I think I was super into the interview with the vampire series uh, when I was in high school. Um, I read, I think there's more books that came out later, but I, read the first seven of them and I've seen in some places it is considered I don't remember what the words are gothic horror something like that um so I think that's probably the first I was I was super into Anne Rice for like (laughs) a long time um and I did read like multiple I've, I've read probably the first three in that series multiple times um, but I haven't, in recent years, really read a lot of regular novels. Like you were saying, graphic novels I've been super into. Um, so that's going to be most of my recommendations for the rest of the the episode. That I'm very excited to share with you. But I, for sure, Interview with Vampire, I was super into it whenever I was younger. 
Awesome. Yeah, that's I I was not expecting Anne Rice to be the first one as far as like first <laughs> horror novels. No, I mean that as a good thing though. Yeah. Anne Rice was huge when we were yeah, I remember when Anne Rice became the thing. That was like yeah. kind of like the that was like in a way, this may sound like a weird comparison, but in a way, the interview with the vampire novels and that whole set was kind of like Harry Potter for a generation. <laughs> Yes, I was not into Harry Potter, but that makes a yeah. lot more sense, actually. Yes, that yes, that is what I read in high school. So, yeah, love it. Yeah. I don't know. That just kind of hit me there. So, Paula, hey, hey, Paula, what was the hey. first one you remember? So, I remember when I was in middle school, I was doing research for a uh, a term, or, you know, a paper that I had to write, and we actually had to like go to libraries back then to to do our research <laughs> and search through those little card catalogs and find things. And after I got my books for that, I was just browsing, you know, something to read because I was a voracious reader as a child, and still am kind of. But I stumbled upon a collection of short stories. It was scary stories. I cannot, for the life of me, remember the title of the book because I'm not even going to say how many years ago this was. I just remember like vague bits and pieces of some of these stories and reading them at night before I would fall asleep and scaring the crap out of myself with these stories. And that is my first introduction into <laughs> the horror genre. And I didn't didn't really touch it again until I was a teenager and my dad was like, here's my collection of books. And I went through his sci-fi and then I started reading all of his Stephen King books. So, Yeah. Was it scary stories to tell in the dark? I thought it was, but it, it it was a totally different cover. So unless they changed the cover in later years, I don't think it was that collection. That was a those that was a really good series. Though. Yeah, I did like that when I was little. Yeah. Do you remember what the cover looked like? Uh, no, I'm no. determined now. I want to find what this it, I I know, and I tried looking. I tried looking up like short stories for you know young adults or you know YA novels. Um, I tried doing a Google search and that's all it kept bringing up was, was the, um, the more popular ones. But this one was all I can remember is it had like, it, it was a lot of like browns and blacks and shadows and things like that on the cover. So it was very spooky looking on the cover even. That's a, oh my gosh. So listeners, please let us know, let us know if you know what this is, because I'm looking up, like I, I searched like horror anthologies books from the 1980s. And trying to find something. Because, yeah, that's what I instantly think is, um, you know. So so the one story that really pops out in my mind was of this little boy who was, I think, from, like, the Victorian area. And he had drowned. And he wore one of those little kid sailor suits. And that's pretty much the only thing I can remember about that book at this point. Because this was, like, 30 years ago. <laughs> Why does that sound? That's... Victorian boy drowns in pool. Drown it might have been, pool? yeah, might have been. Oh, these are just videos. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't have videos back then of of, of books. <laughs> Was it masterpieces of terror and the supernatural? Oh, you know what? That might that might have been it. I'm looking at the cover now. That might have been it. Okay, we might have solved the mystery. <laughs> And if we haven't, please, if somebody knows out there, please let us know. I would love to know, too. 
Uh, well, for me, and, and you know, stories to tell in the dark was definitely one of them. And I'll just stick with that because I've already mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, we did like our favorite authors and we started with early ones. And I mentioned Christopher Pike. So Christopher Pike was kind of one of the gateways for me, a gateway drug into horror novels. I had already been watching horror films due to my babysitter, but that was kind of my gateway into that. Um, but definitely, so definitely go and listen to that. And I talk about Christopher Pike, but scary stories to tell in the dark was one of those where like you had the, the picture, the cover is so clear and vivid in my mind of like that white face, like almost skull, like with like, there's even blood and there's something in his mouth. And you've got all the different stories that are very terrifying. Um, I think if I'm remembering correctly, this was a long time ago because I was a young kid I think we even had like a report that we were supposed to do and we had to choose like a story that we loved or something and do a report on that. And I chose something from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I cannot remember for the life of me which story it was because some of those scared me more than other ones. But yeah, so that was definitely a big gateway for me because of the fact that it was so many little ones and you could find different ways to get scared. Um, I did read some Stephen King when I was really young, uh, but of course, then I discovered other writers down the line. But and um, but yeah, that was that was definitely definitely the one. And I actually, when I was really young, one of the very first things I ever wrote was a horror story, and it was a horror story about um, a couch that comes to life and eats people. That was the very first little story I wrote. And then years later, I'm telling you, someone might have been in that class. Someone knew about it. There is a movie. I am not making this up. And it's a little small movie, so I feel okay mentioning it, called Killer Sofa. And it is about a, like, chair, like a huge overstuffed chair that kills people and eats them. And I'm like, somebody read my story and took it and made this movie. I'm not even kidding. So whoever you are that I knew. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> right? Because when I saw the trailer for that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, of course, I didn't have some of the stuff that was in that trailer in it because I was a little kid. But yeah. So horror has been a part of my life for a long time. And so next, though, what I do want to know, Aaron, is who is your favorite horror writer? Um, so I do love Anne Rice. I've read several of her books, not just the Vampire Chronicles. Um, and I think she does amazing work. It's kind of a tie between her and um, Scott Snyder. He writes comic books, graphic novels, um, and he does a lot of horror. And it just, the stories that he creates are so cool. He's I, he's done some of the darker Batman stories too, which is is cool. But he'll be in one of my recommendations too coming up. But um, I do really appreciate Scott Snyder a lot. Okay, awesome. And Paula, who is your favorite? So I actually don't read a ton of horror, but <laughs> I know I'm glad you're here, Paula. But <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite authors is a horror author and he's not 
he's probably not super well known. His name's Scott Sigler. And I got introduced to him because way back before we had Googles and social medias, um, authors would, um, in order to kind of build an audience, they would serialize their books and put them out of, as podcasts. And he was one of the first ones that would do that. And that's how I found his books because I was, we did, I don't think even Audi, um, Audible was around then. So I, I was looking for things to listen to while I was at work and I wanted to be able to listen to more books. And so I discovered him and um, he would, he would serialize his books and I found some other authors through him. And it was really cool because it was, it was almost more of, you know, like we were kind of like building a community and you were kind of cheering him on as he was trying to get his books published. And they would talk about, um, he and some of the other authors would talk about, you know, like their writing process and then, you know, their struggles with getting published. So it was kind of like this little community thing. And that's kind of what drew me to him. And he's just, and he's remained one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite authors. I got to meet him later on and get one of, uh, one of his books autograph. So I have that as well. And so it's, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite authors. I do not know this person. I So awesome. No, that's awesome. Cause then I get to hear about somebody that I don't know anything about. Cool. I'm going to have to look up some of his work. So yeah, I'll have to ask you, you know, to rec- I don't know if you're going to be recommending any of his when mm-hmm. we're talking next, but so yeah, cool. I'll definitely make notes of that. And I do want to say, before I forget to do it, if you want to hear Paula, I mean, Paula says she doesn't read any horror novels, but Paula was on our Stephen King episode that we did. So so if you want to hear us talk about, I I will say, I will give you a warning. We are not necessarily overly kind to Stephen King. We are incredibly critical of Stephen King. So do heed that warning. So we do have some compliments, but we are critical of Stephen King. So just let you know, but you can go and listen to that. Yeah. I liked that conversation a lot. It was a, it was a fun conversation. Well, if you've listened to our favorite authors episode and listened to any episodes recently, you should already be saying who I'm going to say. And I'm going to, once again, reiterate Dean Koontz, Dean Koontz, Dean Koontz, Dean Koontz. I think, you know, Dean Koontz and Stephen King have always been kind of um, in the horror literature world. And I don't think it's something necessarily they did to with each other, but it's something that the horror community did, I feel, is they kind of have pitted them against each other. And you either like King or Koontz. And people tend to think for some reason, at least what I've found, I'm not saying everybody's like this, that King is the more like respectable one to like. And he's put on a higher pedestal and Koontz is kind of not. I disagree with that. I think... Uh, what Dean Koontz can do in a horror novel is nothing short of incredible and beautiful. He can craft stories and craft characters where you can visualize. I'm a visual reader, so I will picture what I'm reading while I'm reading it. And I can visualize his stories better than any author. He's my favorite writer, period. I think he can combine humor and horror and um, love, deep, deep love in his stories in a way that I think is very difficult for some horror writers to do. And I say that because I think sometimes with horror, 
People think you can't combine other things in there. You can't put love in there. You can't put lightness in there. I think that's a problem that people feel with horror in general is that horror is just supposed to be scary and you can't be having these deep conversations. But horror to me brings out a lot more deep conversations than other genres do for me personally. And I think Kuntz does this very well. And he crafts incredible villains, like terrifying villains and wonderful heroes. And the thing with a lot of his and with a lot of his protagonists that I've always loved and appreciated is that so many of them are weird or different or feel like outcasts in some way. And through their stories, through their journey, a lot of them figure out that they actually are worth something and have a little bit more self-worth and self-value. So he's just super talented in his books. To me, my problem always with Stephen King was that it felt like Stephen King was writing too much and he needed to edit himself a lot. And to me, Kuntz gets more to the point than King does. And so that's why I've always preferred his books. And also, uh, Dean Kuntz is a huge, huge dog person, like loves dogs so much. He writes some nonfiction stuff that is about, he's written a beautiful book called Big Little Life, which if you're a dog person, it's not horror at all. I highly recommend it. It's about his late dog, Trixie, and it's so good. He's written a dog from the uh, dog. He's written a book from the point of view of Trixie um, called I is Trixie good dog or I, I'm, you know, it's, it's for kids too. And in his horror novels, a lot of times he will have really incredible dogs. A lot of times they're golden retrievers because that's his favorite breed, but he will have just these dogs that are exactly, if you're a dog person and you really truly love dogs and you know dogs and you know their value and how much you, you appreciate them, Kuntz gets that, I think, more than any other writer I've ever known. I mean, he hones in on the fact that dogs are a lot more attuned to us than we give them credit for or than we think, and that dogs are such pure, pure creatures and beings, and his dogs are so beautiful. And I'll be recommending a book with one of those beautiful dogs when when we get to that. But, but yeah, definitely Kuntz. I'm sure that did not surprise a single person because I've talked about him a lot lately. I can't help it. I I love the man's work. So, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, well, next up, I want to get some of those recommendations. So I want to know, Aaron A., what are three of your favorite horror novels, graphic novels, or comics? Or if you don't have three favorite of those, you can mention characters as well. Okay, so the first one is by far the scariest book I've ever read, I think, graphic or otherwise. And it is a graphic novel by Scott Snyder called Witches, which is with a Y. And it it's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> I can't, uh, first of all, I like, I really got really into horror graphic novels and just graphic novels in general. Um, 
I love being able to see the story. I like when I'm reading, I can envision in my head, but I love being able to see the story the, the way the author wants me to see it and being kind of like a wannabe artist myself. I just love the beauty of like new art on every single page. And this is beautifully illustrated. It's really cool. It's mostly like black and white shades of gray with like pops of kind of color, but it's essentially um, a story about these witches in this world, witches live underground and they come out through the trees and they kidnap children. (laughs) And so kind of the story starts with um, this family has moved to this new town to try and get away from something terrible that happened. And the, the daughter of this family has been marked by the witches and they come and kidnap her. And the father is trying to find her and she's trying to fight the witches and probably not summarizing it real well, but it's really scary. I don't have kids myself, but I, you know, it's very emotional for parents. I think too, I've seen reviews um, just because it's like your worst nightmare as a parent. And it's like, it's a, it almost gave me nightmares. There's a lot of horror movies and stuff that I'm like, well, that was a good movie, but it wasn't scary. Um, but this was legit a scary book. Um, and it's so good. I recommended it to so many people. I actually don't even have my copy anymore because I gave it away. I was looking for looking for it today and I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't even have it. I gave it to someone else. So I need to go buy another copy now, but it's so, so good. So good. Um, The next one is um, a book series called Monstrous. It is also a graphic novel uh, series um, by Marjorie Liu. And it's uh, an alternate universe um, set in like the 1900s Asia, um, where there's like multiple, I don't know, types of people or beings living. And it's, it's, terrifying and that it's like this weird apocalyptic world um but it's also it is so bloody it's it's very graphic but it's beautifully illustrated um sana takeda illustrates it and she does such an amazing job and it's really interesting it follows like this this teenage girl who's kind of like a, a hybrid um there's a lot of uh hybrids of like people and animals kind of and just kind of like following her story. It's gosh, it's been a long time since I've read it, but it's really cool. It's very violent, but it's also, um, I love that it's written kind of this whole world where women are running pretty much everything, um, but not in like a weird, like preachy sort of way. It's just like natural, um, which I think is really cool. And it's it's just it's I don't know if it's like a hundred percent horror, but there is a lot of blood, <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's also a really sarcastic cat with multiple tails that talks, and he's hilarious. <laughs> but it's a really good book. Um, again, I just love having the illustrations there too. Help with the story. I think there's something special about graphic novels because they don't have to spend so many words describing things. It's just there for me. And that I love that. But Marjorie Lou, she is also really cool. She's, she's an amazing person as well. And I love her. 
And my last one is going to be a series called Outcast. Um, it was written by Robert Kirkman and it's follows this guy who his whole life has been surrounded by people that become possessed by demons, um, but not him himself. Um, and he has this weird power that he doesn't know how I got it, but he can kind of like exercise the demons out of these people. Um, and so just his whole life, he's been plagued by all these problems and he's trying to get away from it. And, you know, he he loses his family and he moves away and then he meets this priest who can kind of help him explain like why this is happening and just things escalate and it's very dramatic and it's really cool. Robert Kirkman wrote another very, very outrageously popular series um, that was on TV for what, 10 seasons. And so he is very talented and this was also adapted. I think it didn't get the same kind of uh, receiving as the other show, but it's so good. It's it's an amazing series, and I that's my thing. Is I like I like sci-fi and I like demons. <laughs> so um, that's kind of what I've been into. I got out like all of my books and stuff, um, and I'm going through. I'm like, yep sci-fi sci-fi demons like witchcraft all sorts of <laughs> things and such just cooler like bloody books are cooler when you can actually see the blood right right <laughs> you're not just imagining the blood you see the blood yeah like and especially witches it's so cool because all black and white and then the blood is red cool <laughs> like should we worry about you but uh <laughs> so paula what are your three that you're gonna recommend so my uh my recommendations like i said i i don't read a ton of horror but the ones i do kind of kind of they're horror but they kind of lean more sci-fi so like my all-time favorite i would say is the stand and um i know it might not be considered horror by most people but it also kind of has that post-apocalyptic that is that's like my favorite favorite thing to read because i love to see you know how people deal with and react in those these situations so the stand by stephen king is is probably my my all-time favorite now if i would read some more I, that would probably change but um <laughs> for now for now um and then i was going to recommend a couple of books by scott sigler the first one is ancestor and that's the one that i actually got to get signed by him i've i don't keep a lot of physical copies of books anymore um so if i do they're they have some kind of meaning to me or i've you know been able to um, get an author to sign them and that's the first book of his that i listened to so um it was really cool to get that book and get him to sign it and that one is about a company is doing um like experimentation they're trying to grow like human organs and they tap into the dna of what they call the ancestor that's a creature that went extinct you know 25 million years ago or, or whatever they said and when they're doing this experimentation they've kind of unlocked that creature and terror ensues <laughs> and there's there's again there's a lot of a lot of blood a lot of dying yeah it's but it's it's a it's a fun book 
And the other one that I was going to recommend was Earthcore, again, by Scott Seligler. And this one is, there's a, a platinum deposit in the mountains of Utah, and this company is digging for this platinum, and they uncover something that is buried within that mountain. And again, lots of blood, lots of dying, lots of terror, <laughs> lots of fun. <laughs> lots of fun. <laughs> lots of fun. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I've, I've written those down because like I said, I haven't heard of this author before, so I'm gonna have to definitely check those, those out. Um, yeah. And I, I want to just say I, the book I would recommend, but I did an interview recently talking about it is Odd Thomas by Dane Koontz. That's my favorite novel of his. So go back, listen to my interview that Carla was so gracious to do. And I talk about that in there. So I won't talk about that one again. Um, but I'm going to recommend two other Dean Koontz books. And then I'm actually also going to be recommending a Stephen King book because even though I put Stephen King down, I have read some that are really good. So, uh, yeah. First up, there's this book called um, Strangers. And this is probably Koontz's, one of his longest books. It's 526 pages and it's a very long, and most of his books, they're long, but they they aren't like that, like, that's where I kind of you'll complain sometimes about Stephen King is they're too long. But I think this one really benefits from its length. And I I don't know if it was him or someone else who was like, oh, I wish it could be edited down a little bit, but I like the way it is. I think it would be a great one to adapt. But unfortunately, I think most of the adaptations of Kuntz novels are actually most of them are so bad. So I get really trepidatious about anyone um, adapting his novels. But this one is basically about a group of people that are brought together by their different and equally strange maladies. So there's different things that people suffer from, different things they suffer from, like um, fugue states, um, nyctophobia, uh, different little things. Just I'm not going to go through all of them, but they all are led to this place called the Tranquility Motel in Nevada. And they start learning things about why they are um, together and who's watching them and why they've been brought back to this place and about a year of their, you know, parts of their life that they can't remember. And the characters are so richly developed and there's so many different people and so many different um, maladies that they suffer from and different things that they have and different gifts that they have. And it's once again, I think, speaks to the thing that Kuntz does so well, where he's taking people that are kind of odd or weird or seem odd and weird and, you know, emphasizing the fact that your oddities don't necessarily make you a bad person or like you shouldn't have good things in the world, that kind of thing. And then the other one of his that I'll recommend, and this is one that has a great uh, story about dogs in it. And this is The Darkest Evening of the Year from 2007. I will say uh, the main character, Amy Redwing, she uh, dedicates her life to like rescuing abandoned and endangered golden retrievers. So there are mentions in here of like animal abuse. I will say that Dean Koontz loves dogs. So he's not like big on like killing animals a lot in his books. But I do want to mention that because she rescues dogs from abuse, takes them and saves dogs from that. And she risks her life to save this dog, Nikki. And she takes this female golden into her home. 
and the bond is immediate. Like they bond really, really deeply. And it's, um, and her other two goldens, Fred and Ethel, Fred and Ethel, yes, um, recognize that Nikki is special and is kind of like, becomes like the alpha in the group. But uh, the instant joy that Nikki brings is shattered by a series of eerie instances, an ominous stranger, and a mysterious home invasion. So, and there's like a sense of someone watching Amy. And once again, I want to stress that any villain in a Dean Koontz book is extremely villainous. And he will write chapters usually from their point of view. And the villain in this one is, is really, really horrible. Um, but that's true of most of his. So I would only recommend most Dean Koontz books with the exception of Big Little Life and his other um, nonfiction ones to people that genuinely like horror and like to be scared because he, you know, I've, I've said, I said when we were talking about our favorite authors that I still have not been able to finish one of his books called False Memories because it just, for some reason, is that book really just terrifies me in a way that none of his other books have. And I'm sure it's great in the end. I just can't finish it because the villain is so scary. So I'm just stressing that because I do think a lot of his villains are very, are terrifying and could give you nightmares. And a lot of his, the bad people are a lot of times regular people and they're doing just horrendous things. And it's a, to me, a big commentary on humanity and people and how the scariest things are actually human beings and not necessarily monsters. So yeah, not to say he doesn't have monsters. He's known for his, you know, Frankenstein series and he's done stuff about werewolves and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I recommend that one. And then the last one I'm going to recommend is, um, like I've said, I'm not a big fan of a lot of Stephen King books. There are two that I do like, and I'll go ahead and I'll just recommend Misery. Um, I think Misery is a really, really good book. And there are certain scenes in that book that, oh, I can't even imagine having to, to see them on screen. But I, I just think it's a great study of fandom really in a lot of respects when you look at it it's a great study of becoming fan a fan of something so much and because your life has fallen apart and you don't know who you are anymore you become obsessed with it and so ingrained in it that you think it's real and i think that's a lot of what this is talking about is and it's probably talking a lot about probably stuff that stephen king himself has had to deal with with fans thinking what they're reading is real and wanting to control what he writes and wanting to have a say and thinking they know better than he does on what he should do with his characters. And so I'm sure, and I've read stuff about that, that's, you know, uh, talking about that from a personal standpoint. And I just, I, I think it's, it's um, a real page turner. And I really like that one. I think that's one of the best Stephen King books out there. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The headlines remind us daily 
The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, well lastly what I want to know, and I don't know if this is, if either of my panelists have an answer for this. I know this is kind of a deeper thing here, but um, I want to know what, if anything, have you learned about yourself through reading horror or how have horror novels or graphic novels helped you conquer your own fears, Erin? Yeah. So one thing that I've learned is you kind of touched on it of the parts of books or any entertainment for that matter is the just straight people being awful to other people. I don't like that. Like there's enough people being awful to people in the real world that I would rather see like supernatural stuff. And so that's mostly what I read, which I know isn't like supernatural horror is still like awful things happening. Um, but at least it's not as connected to like the real world. Um, Cause there's already enough people doing crappy things to each other out there. So I think that's why I like this kind of stuff of, the more fantasy, sci-fi, monster, supernatural stuff. Conquering your fears, I don't know if I have anything other than just like I, I appreciate and I admire how like all of these, the heroes in all of these books just like keep going. So, so many times in these books, like they probably should have given up. I would have given up and they just keep going and keep going and just like don't stop. And I think it's, it's fantastic um it's very not me i would have probably given up a long time ago in all of these books <laughs> like oh witches are dragging me into a tree gonna die now cool uh, gonna die and now. like this little this 13 year old girl fights these like insane ancient witches it's like it's just so cool um and just the you know tenacity of these characters i just love it and paula yeah, I, I kind of agree with, uh, you know, tending more towards the fantastical side of horror because people are scarier than any monster that somebody could come up with. And um, also, I, I am terrified of clowns. Thank you, Stephen King, for that. <laughs> I have been since, since, yeah, since I read that book, you know, mo more than anything. Uh, there was a, a movie when I was younger that I saw that I shouldn't have seen, but I, I think it solidified that fear for me. So thank you very much for that. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. So instead of helping you conquer the fear, I mean... it just created more. <laughs> yes. That's funny. No, that I, I mean, clowns are um, clowns are terrifying. 
you know, they're really terrifying. And there are a lot of scary clowns in novels, a lot of them. And I do, I do, I do think Pennywise is one of the most terrifying villains in a horror novel ever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. That book gave me me nightmares. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it. I'll have to send you the TikTok because um and someday we might we might do heavy critiques of certain novels because that novel I think lends itself to a heavy critique because we've already, you know, talked about Stephen King, but there is a very icky 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 undercurrent of um sexual stuff in there with little kids that is really really disturbing. And there's a whole TikTok about that, about like Stephen King turning in that novel and the, you know, this imagining of the publishers going, um, well, this scene in here where you have the girl, like she's like 13 and she's, or she was younger than that. Right. She's younger than she's like 11 or I don't know. Yeah. They're pretty young. Oh, and they have like, I, I'm not going to say it on here, but the, it's, it's very sexual and they don't, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. And, the publisher being like, are you sure that really should be in there? I mean, <laughs> you can show what you're trying to show in a different way. So I would love to analyze that because I think I think sometimes what happens with horror as I think sometimes some writers and some filmmakers and some people that like the genre think anything that happens in horror is okay. And that it's okay to push those boundaries that you might not push in other literature. And I don't know if other people agree with that. That's just something that popped into my head there because I do think that happens. And while this is my favorite genre, I do think that is an area that can be critiqued is that, you know, when you look at violence against women and when you look at a lot of that stuff, it's kind of like excused because it's horror. So it's okay if it's horror. If you're doing that in like a comedy or a drama, like one of those books or a romance novel even, although I know there's dark romance, but if you're doing it in something like that, then it's not then it's not okay. But if you're doing it in horror, the excuse is, well, it's horror. I'm not condoning it. It's just this is a terrifying thing. And I would argue back to people and I, you know, writers out there and horror creators is I think the biggest challenge in that genre, if you're working in that genre is to write stuff that is horrific, but you're not trying to glorify the stuff that you're writing about. And you're not using it as an excuse to uh, to hurt hurt people as your way of fictionally hurting people. So I don't know what, what you said just made me think about that. So someday we'll have to we'll have to tackle that when we're talking about horror because I think that's a huge issue. <laughs> yeah, it's that would be an interesting conversation to have because um you do see that a lot more in horror but it, it happens in other genres too that's true mm-hmm. where they they do kind of use it as an excuse to kind of just get away with whatever whatever they want to do to a character yeah. when they could accomplish the same goal in a different way yeah it's the excuse of it's fiction so we mm-hmm. can do anything we want and i know that's that's a big thing right now happening in fanfic honestly mm-hmm. um is a big pushback about the fact that you can find really really horrible awful things disturbing things in fanfic and the excuse is well it's fiction 
So that's okay. But where do you draw the line? And, and, you know, that's, yeah. Well, and I've also heard the excuse from that too, of, well, I'm working through a trauma and this is how I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I, I understand the working through trauma, but is that really a healthy way to do that? Or is there a better way that we could do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, and I know, and I know Paula isn't either. And I know we're not saying like any way you work through trauma is wrong. Cause that, that's not true. I mean, a lot of people that are, you know, into, you know, BDSM or people that write a lot of that, it, a lot of the reason, and we did a whole episode on this, you can go listen to it, that people get involved in that is sometimes because they had their own sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. And so it helps with that. And it, and it does for some yeah, people. Yeah. But I think, and I don't know if this is what you're saying, Paula, because I think this is kind of where I run up into, like, I kind of am like, well, the thing is, is it's fine if you are using this, if you're legitimately using it as a way to deal with your trauma. And I cannot, I, you know, no one can speak for how you're going to deal with your trauma. But if you're dealing with that trauma and then somehow because you're not tagging properly, because you're not doing that kind of stuff, people who have dealt with the same trauma but don't deal with it the way that you are and aren't coping the way you are, they might see that stuff and then that might re-traumatize them. So I think that's where that comes into play, you know. So I don't know if that's what at all, if you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've read some stuff where there is, um, you know, there's this, there is this very dark, uh, fanfic that I read and I reread it like a few weeks ago and I still really like it. And I don't remember if I read the other one that, that this author read, she's no longer writing on archive of her own, but you can find them there. And this one was called primal need and it's from an orphaned account. So and it is very much a a fanfic that deals with a lot of non-con elements and stuff like that. I'm not going to go into them because I don't, plus we'd have to mention this show. And it was interesting reading that because I was very scared to read something like that. And I read it and I actually really found myself enjoying it for reasons, but that was another one that, but this person, this author was different. They like were like, please, please, please be careful. Don't read this. If this is at all going to trigger you, this could really trigger you. And she, she even told me later when I was complimenting, like, she's like, okay, but if you read my next one, please know it's even darker than this and please be careful. So I think that's kind of, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but I don't know. It kind of relates back. It made me think of it. So anyway, I'm just saying, Fiction is not an excuse necessarily to traumatize people or to get off on trauma is what I'm kind of ultimately saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not at all saying you're not allowed to deal with your trauma. You want to, but I think with a lot of horror writers, I think a lot of them are using that as an excuse to write gross, icky stuff that they may have in their brain. I'm not accusing Stephen King or any author of this stuff. I'm just saying I think sometimes people use the excuse of fiction to get away with stuff that you wouldn't, I don't know, that you wouldn't normally. So, so that's, that's my thing. And I think we'll have to, we'll have to talk about that at some point for sure with horror. Well, for me, and I spoke about this a little bit on our, um, on the interview episode, but a lot of what I've learned through horror in general, but especially with horror novels 
and when you've got more ch- a longer chance and more words and um you know you get to really know the characters and dive deep into them is i've really found you know through characters that are so odd or weird or have unique abilities or like see dead people or um that kind of thing or feel very connected to animals more than people and you know or like are into weird odd things and how in quote unquote normal society, some of those things, I'm talking about things that don't hurt people. Um, some of those things are looked down upon. Whereas with some of these characters in these horror novels, especially in Dean Kuhn's books, they actually are a gift. And for the protagonist to sort of defeat their own demons through defeating the evil they're looking at, but also defeating their own demons by using that thing that they didn't think was a gift to help defeat the evil has been very cathartic for me in a lot of ways where it's like, okay, maybe I can defeat that. And that's why for me personally, and I totally understand why a lot of people would rather see supernatural horror. Totally get that. There are sometimes when I can't watch or read stuff where it is a person doing it, like not a supernatural creature or anything like that. Cause there's something more terrifying about that because it's more real Um, I totally get that. But I think sometimes for me, watching a human being or reading reading about a human being who's doing horrible things, but gets defeated by somebody who felt like they were not able to be strong enough to defeat that person can be cathartic as well for me. So that's the big thing I've learned. I have yet had to have a horror novel help me conquer my fear of flying. I will fly and I'm going to be flying a long way soon, but I still have a fear of flying. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I have yet to read a novel that will help me with that. Most novels, if flying is in there, it only makes it worse. So I I don't know if there'll ever be a horror novel that will help me get over my fear of flying and make it so it's a-okay or my fear of being like, trapped high up on something and can't get down or my fear of, and this is one that some books kind of can, but my fear of like cabins in the middle of the woods or houses in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing around, those scare the crap out of me. And I actually think the reason it scares me is because I've read so many dang horror novels. So you're not helping me. So I guess what I should have put here was what fears have you received from horror novels? So, you know, clowns and fear of open spaces for me, like, especially if it's a white house, I do not know why, but if it's a white house and it's in the middle of like a field, like, especially like a prairie area and you see it and there's nothing else around, I automatically think there are horrible people living there or people have died there or, I would die if I went there. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. I'm I'm guessing my panelists don't agree with me on this. I don't know if they do or not, but. No, the big open spaces is like, yeah, that's pretty freaky. We went camping one time and it was after dark. And we just parked in some place and you couldn't see like more than 10 feet past. I wouldn't go outside. We were luckily in like an RV. I wouldn't go outside. I made my husband go outside and cook dinner by himself in the dark because I wouldn't go out there. It was terrifying. 
there is something about wide open spaces in the dark that is absolutely terrifying. And how many novels do you see where it's just a single house on a book with nothing around it? And, and it is, it's, it's scary. It's isolating. And I think that's what's scary about it. That's exactly what's scary about it is the isolating feeling of like, you know, like, like, you're there and is there anyone else around? And so if something mm-hmm. happens, how are you going to get away with from that? And, you know, even though we live in the day and age of cell phones, in some of those places, you're not going to have cell phone service. So you're right. not even going to be able to get. And then if you did have cell phone service and you're not able to tell somebody where you are, how are they ever going to find you? Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of where, where my like Aaron, A, I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, uh-uh. We're either eating chips for dinner <laughs> yeah. or you are <laughs> you're cooking by yourself. Um, it was so scary. Like there was no moon. It was so, it was like down in Southern Colorado and we were kind of lost and we drove down this dirt road for, I don't even know how far because the GPS stopped working and we kept thinking oh, there'll be no. a pullout like no. where we can camp. And we just stopped in the middle of the road after like 30 minutes of driving <laughs> That is definitely the start of a horror novel. Yeah, for real. I was like, maybe we should turn around. Like, we're going to get murdered out here. And we woke up and it was literally just like, we joked that it was just like um, a horror movie because it was just hills and stuff around us. And we were like, oh, there's definitely people in those hills waiting to like murder us. We left very quickly in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, you you were writing your own horror novel there. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Yep. That's like one time when I was camping um, in, in high school, we used to do, I went to, a, you know, an alternative artsy high school. So we did this uh, group camping trip. We would do group camping trips. And there was this huge thunderstorm, like really bad lightning and thundering. And I'm walking with a friend and, and there was hardly any power anywhere. There's hardly any lights. I mean, it's a campground, but we were camping in tents and stuff. And we're walking down this path. And I don't know how this person timed it. I don't think they meant to. I think they just meant to scare us. And one of our um, classmates was standing in the middle of um, the path we were on. And and lightning struck at the exact right time. And he was just standing there. And we screamed so loud. And we started running. And then we went, oh, wait, that's got to be someone we know. (laughs) Again, a scene out of a horror novel or a horror movie. It was. It was exactly out of that. It oh was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was so. It just, it's, it is. It's that thing of you can't see. So you don't know what's going to happen. You're in the middle of nowhere, especially if you're driving down. I'm just picturing that, Aaron. That's just like you're driving there and you lose your GPS. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. Okay. So hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to make it out of here. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, nope, not doing that again. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. At least you weren't alone. I mean, imagine if you were. It's oh true. my god! Yeah, I have someone to push towards the bad guy as well as I run away. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining me for this conversation. Went on some tangents there, but now I've got ideas in my head of things we need to talk about. Definitely. And examine some more. And some of that stuff we will not examine until the strikes are over. Hopefully they're over. At least one of them is over by the time you're listening to this. Fingers crossed, everybody. Um, But we're going to go ahead and close this out. I'm going to go around and have my lovely two panelists tell everybody where they can be found. Aaron A. 
I am on Instagram and not really on the other thing anymore, but you can still follow me for as long as we're still allowed to use it at geek and so that's what I do. I geek and I sew things. Awesome. Thank you. I want to say really quickly um, to all my panelists out there, I have little things that play in, in a loop in my head where I'm like, okay, this is how this person closes out. This is exactly what they're going to say. And I'm always like, okay, so Erin A is going to definitely say, that's what I do. I geek and I sell stuff. And I'm like, if she doesn't say that, I feel very weird. It feel very off to me. So, yep. So, it's yeah. like, no, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do, do it right. <laughs> and hey, hey, Paula, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, you can find me on pretty much all of the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Hive, social threads, TikTok now, someday, maybe soon at my blue sky, if they ever send me an invite. And that is at It's My Sandbox. I'm also on Twitch at my gamertag, Artemis75. It's A-R-T-E-M-I-S-Z-75. Depending upon how the video game strikes goes, um, I may or may not be doing anything anytime soon on that platform <laughs> and we're all still on the discord channel for it's a fandom thing so Thank you. you can still <laughs> find us all there and interact with us all there those of us that are on it i know we always forget about it Thank you, Paula. You are the only one that remembers this. This is the second time in the past few months that you've been on and you've been like, hey, we're on Discord. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we are on Discord. Oh, I think I think it's because I'm the only one that actually does anything on Discord other than the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's so well, thank you. And actually, what's so funny about it is it's in our show notes. The link to our Discord channel is in our show notes. It's in there every single time. So it's not like <laughs> I copy and paste that in there every week, twice a week. You'd think I'd remember this. So, yes, we also have a, a Christian Bale channel up there, too. So you mm -hmm. can talk about our unofficial mascot. Because just in a couple, a few short months, it's going to be Christian effing Bale month again, everybody. We get to celebrate our unofficial mascot. And, of course, the best part about that month is we also have, quote unquote, Christian back. Christian joins us every month. For people who are new, that's not Christian Bale, really. It's Carla. But one day it'll be Christian for real. <laughs> Someday we'll make it happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm just imagining that day. It's going to happen. I'm going to will everything in me to be, like, completely not nervous and not want to break down and cry. <laughs> tears of joy when that happens so yes so christian if you're listening reach out to us you remember i will cancel everything everything for you so <laughs> you can reach out um but this is aaron and remember you don't want to follow me because there's no point in following my personal accounts frankly uh but you do want to follow fergie on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. Yes, it is long, but it is worth it. I just recently put up a couple of new TikToks with Fergie up there, so you can watch those. Uh, be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter for now until it all implodes at it's at um, it's at fandom thing pod excuse me no it's in that one 
on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. We are on threads at it's a fandom thing pod. I, I need to use it more. I just haven't used it much. Uh, be sure to follow us on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. I have put up some recent TikToks. They're very entertaining. And then there's also one where I go on a rant about um, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. So, you know, you can watch that at your own risk. There's a trigger warning on that, but go follow us there. And I'm going to be trying to do more TikToks and more TikTok content because I love TikTok. I just don't quite get it. So I'm trying to understand it and learn it. So hopefully we'll be on there more. Uh, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at itsafandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. And at that level, you can also get a seven day free trial. You get bonus episodes, bonus content. You get to help help decide the nominees for our second annual Fandom Choice Awards, which will be coming up very soon in a few short months. You can help with that. And you also get ad-free content. So if you're hearing ads in this episode, you won't hear ads over there. So click the link under the support us tab on our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com or click the link in our show notes. And remember the best way you can help this podcast and any indie podcast out there is share, 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 tell your friends, tell everybody to listen and rate us five stars on iTunes and Spotify. And thank you so much for listening. Next week, we are continuing Horror Month with a look at the mythology of horror. And also, basically what we're going to be talking about is why do we like to be scared? Why do we like horror? Why do we gravitate towards that? And that is going to be Sasha, Carla, and Tiff will be joining me for that one. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.